Buffs Nation. All right, what's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Thanks for joining us uh, after a tough week. Tough week against uh, Oregon. And then we're on the on the cusp of a tough week going to going to USC. So, I mean, this is the, the time of the year. The schedule's impossible. The schedule's so tough. I don't care whether you're Mike Sanford, Carl Durrell, or, or Nick Saban. It's going to be a tough schedule. So we'll talk about last week. We'll talk about the upcoming week against USC. But mainly, I want to focus today on what's going on in the program, the next head coach, and all of the above. I'm Tyler Walgie. He's Jared All. Jared, how are you on a... Uh, voting Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday the 8th. That's right. Get out and vote, except for it's too late once you're listening right, <laughs> right? now. So you failed if you didn't vote already. <laughs> it's funny. We always do shows almost like we know it's going to be DVR'd. You know, it's never live. It's always rewatched. So uh, hopefully you went out there and voted. And if not, well... You know, I guess you're just going to have to live with whatever there, happens. There's always next time. There's, a, <laughs> there's always <laughs> next time. All right, so uh, let's start off. Actually, Jared, I'll, I'll, I'll do a dealer's choice here. Should we do recap Oregon, talk about the program, then do then do USC? Or should we just start off with the program and then do the recaps? How do you want to do this here? Let's, let's, let's start positive. Let's talk about the program, the direction, hopefully some positive vibes coming through. Yeah, the, the I like that. And we'll, we'll end the show with Oregon and USC. All right, so right now... Uh, obviously, a lot going on in the college football world. Lots of firings. We know about Wisconsin, Nebraska, Colorado, Arizona State, and they keep happening across the country. So there's a question. Who's going to get the first coach? What's going to be the first shoe to fall? I mean, who's going to be the school that makes the first move? Because obviously, there's pros and cons. The pro is you sign a coach. You get to move forward with your program. Recruits, current players know what the deal is going to be moving forward. The con, if you will, I guess it's a con, is that you don't get to hire someone, you have to wait, but there's also pros to that, because the more the season moves on, even to the off-season, bowl season, the more names become available. And so right now, as a CU fan, you're kind of, we're walking that tightrope. Now, Jared, before I go into details, because I think I've been following this a little closer, probably, than you have, what would you prefer? Make a move now, make a hire now, get a coach in, or wait for potentially a better candidate, but you lose out some of the perks of signing someone now? So... I'm going to give you two answers, which is like the worst thing to ever do when you're trying to get my opinion. Yeah, yeah. don't but give I, me a No, a but or B. I'm going to tell you what I think in general is the best thing to do. And I actually think the CU situation is a little bit different than your average team. In general, I'd say wait it out. Be patient. Find the right guy. Be diligent. Don't rush into you know the first decision that you can, the first guy you find available. There will be other guys that become available. Sometimes there's surprise hires and guys that choose to walk away from programs, not necessarily getting fired. So there are going to be better options out there or a more diverse selection of options out there. NFL coaches that may become available, things like that. So hmm. in general, I'd say be patient. As the buffs, the first good coach you can get interested in you, <laughs> you should absolutely be all over right now. I've, I've heard the name Deion Sanders floated out there. Oh, I don't God. know if there's any legitimacy to that. I Frankly, don't I don't think that there is. But if Prime is interested in coming and sitting down in Boulder, you get him here as quickly as you can okay. because this is the type of guy that can absolutely elevate your program. That's a given, right? If you can get, yes. if you can get Deion Sanders here, you get Deion Sanders here. I think that's a little bit... Uh, overstated though. I'm not sure his his 
desire or willingness to leave Jackson State, much less for CU. Sure, sure, and that's and, and that's probably a stretch of a name. But if you can get a, interest from a guy like that, even if just getting interest from a guy like that may intrigue other coaches, to go, oh yeah, huh, CU. Uh, I agree with that. If you if it's public, he's interested. That's the case, and I don't want to rule it out, but. When I look at schools who are going to entice Dion, they need a couple things. They need a lot of money. Not so sure CU has that. A lot of willingness to expand contracts. Not so sure CU has that. A wide open recruiting base. CU doesn't have that. They have academic restrictions. And so you're telling me Dion's going to come here for less than he'd make it at an SEC school, not able to recruit the right players. I mean, all, all that CU has, and look, I've got. I'm born and raised in Colorado. I've been going to see games since I was a little squirt. I love the the buffs, but the reality is, all Boulder has to offer right now are facilities, and I mean that's it. They're they're not even in a, in a conference cemented in a conference for the next couple of years. We don't know if the Pac-12 is going to can exist. I mean. What are they talking about bringing San Diego State over, or or if it's going to remain a Power Five conference? Exactly. I mean, that, it may right? drop down to the to the non-Power Five. So see you right now. The only thing. The Colorado has going for it is its facilities, which I hate to break it. Even though CU has some amazing facilities, really, really top notch, the more you the more you do your research and look around the country, Air Force has great facilities. Army, I mean Oklahoma State. We're talking we're talking Georgia Tech here. So it's kind of been the bad over the last ten yeah, years, right? Is updating exactly. and re- renovating facilities because they know how it attracts recruits. So 100%. everybody has done back it in two thousand, right? Two thousand five, two thousand ten, when we were kind of in the meat of all this stuff. You and I, right? We've been watching the buzz for decades now. But remember, around the turn of the century, that was the buzz. Oh, a lot of these schools, they don't have the great facilities. It's like you can't sell that anymore because everyone has facilities now. CU has. Certain things that the schools don't have, right? They have the walking pool with the cameras and sensors underneath the walking pool, so you're easy on your joints. They get a real good feel of what's going on medically. That's something a lot of schools don't have. Colorado has a top-of-the-line uh, doctor's office and rehab office right next to Folsom Field. Not a lot of schools have that. So there are perks. But if I'm an 18-year-old kid wanting to go to Auburn or Colorado and they go, well, we have this pool that records in front of me that's like, it's not going to sell And me. it's in the shape of a buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm not exactly certain that CU is going to be in the Dion runnings because you have to have everything for Dion. But I did hear one thing from uh, Twitter that is kind of interesting. And after we read this, we'll talk more in depth about the actual candidates. But uh, this was yesterday, so on the uh, 7th, from Adam Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. New college football coaching buzz coming out in the morning, but worth noting from the recent conversations I've had. If I had to describe where the two Pac-12 searches are in terms of Colorado and Arizona State, Colorado's in the red zone, Arizona State's trying to avoid a safety. So CU is much further along the coaching search. I'm not so sure about the analogy there. He maybe could have done a better job, right? But my, my, my point there is behind the scenes, those tracking this are saying, man, Rick George, Stefano, they're making moves. They're talking to a lot of candidates and they may make a hire sooner than later. So you like hearing that? Yeah, I do. And I think just, again, in a program that I, I feel like my fear is, more openings are going to become available and see well, going to be a less desirable place to go uh, to. Well, that's interesting. You know, I'm not so sure about that. That may be the case if more schools fire, you know, more 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 schools become open. 
You know, I'm not going to discount that. I, I'm going to say a guy, a guy like a Brian Harson. You know, CU sounds pretty intriguing to him right now. You know, some of these other jobs become available. Maybe he goes, right. well, maybe I'll give them a look before I, you know, before I meet with CU. Th- those sorts of things. Uh, one thing I want to note real quick that I meant to bring up uh, a moment ago regarding. Uh, making a decision quickly is the, the new early signing period that started a few years back. And that is puts teams who get rid of their head coach in a completely hamstrung situation. This is December 21st. We're sitting here. It is November 8th right now. That's what six weeks away. And you have to sign. I mean, if you're missing out on those guys in that early signing period, that will cripple your 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 signing class. So I think this is huge. Not necessarily to have your head coach in place. That you don't have to have that. But that focus being in there. If you can have that head coach hired before that, if he can have a few weeks to build that and work with his coaches, that could be really helpful there too. All indications are that's what they're going to do. So let me read an excerpt here from an ESPN article talking about the CU coaching hiring process quote Colorado is well into its search and has begun having initial conversations with candidates for several weeks sources say there's a good chance Colorado wraps its search up first if it oh excuse me wraps its search up first if it hires someone not currently coaching or who can accept a job while finishing out the season elsewhere parentheses very tough to do. Let me repeat that. Sources say there's a good chance Colorado wraps its search first if it hires someone not currently coaching or who can accept a job while they while they finish out their current coaching duties. And that's tough to do because what you have to do is essentially get a coach to, to come on and get their school to okay that coach staying. And a lot of coaches want to stay. A lot of coaches have built this up that I want to leave halfway through. But the AD of that other school perspective perspective coach often says screw you you want to go go you want to stay stay so that's going to be tough to do but the article goes on to say who might that person be bronco mendenhall has has generated buzz as a strong candidate to see you and remember he's not coaching right now right he would be available other than the virginia stint he spent almost half his life uh in career in the mountain time zone and he would bring an instant credibility to the program Mendenhall played and coached Oregon State, blah, blah, blah. Talks about Mendenhall. So, Plus, his name's Bronco. That fits in Colorado, uh, right? It also talks about Tom Herman. Herman is also named to watch as he has ties to this two states, uh, California, Texas, that Colorado must recruit. So, Jared, this is pointing towards Colorado wanting to sign a coach early, signing a coach very quickly, and it being someone who's actually not currently Yeah, aggressive, coaching. right? Yeah, but but the idea that they're going for a coach who's who's not coaching available. Right now. Okay. A so Tom yeah. Herman, a Bronco Mendenhall, someone who's not coaching right now. I don't really mind that. I don't think that's the biggest deal in the world. I think it actually may benefit the Buffs because Bronco Mendenhall could be a good coach, could be a good name, could start the recruiting process early, knows the time zone. You know, I think a lot of people, it's funny. This happened when the Broncos were looking for a quarterback. U.S. fans, it's like, well, I love Aaron Rodgers. Anyone else? I'm not so sure. Fans, expectations are so silly sometimes, right? U.S. CU fans, it's like, all right, let's go uh, Matt Rule, Deion Sanders. Uh, besides that, you know, everyone else is just a uh, 1B. It's like, okay, we have to be real. Don't want any of those retreads. <laughs> right? So Bronco Mendenhall had a great career. He's a, he knows what he's doing in, in terms of a coach. And one thing I always say, does he know how to win. Like not just win. Winning in college football means a lot of stuff. It's almost like running a successful business. You have to know every corner of the building, what they should be doing in the receivers room, what should be going on on the, on the defensive side, what their recruiting coordinator should be doing, what the AD should be doing in terms of helping out the program. Like 
Brian Kelly goes to LSU, and within weeks, they're, <laughs> they're like an elite program. I don't know LSU has different talent right now, but that's my point. With getting a coach who knows the process, there's more of a of a like CEO mentality, right? When it comes to college, it's not just X's and O's. You know, it's not just worrying about what's happening on the field. There's so much behind the scenes to get, especially young kids. I right. mean, these are teenagers, early twenties kids that need that motivation, need that guidance from a leader. There's a lot that goes well, into and, that. And I think Bronco Mendenhall can be that guy. Yes. He can be the leader. He can come in here. So honestly, whether it's Mendenhall or Herman, I'd, I'd be glad with both those names. I just worry that it's going to be a Carl Durrell 2.0 where someone gets hired and we all go, oh, who? Right, That's what I don't want. And I know that that may be what we get. And then there were some names that we talked about before. Let me pull it up real quick here. All right, so these are a couple of names we talked about before that I didn't really know much about. Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State offensive coordinator Casey Dunn. San Diego State head coach Brent Bennon. Brent uh, Brennan, excuse me, and US, USC defense back uh, coach Dante Williams. Those were all named as potential coaches in the last article. I didn't know any of them. Sure. And if it's like, well, Colorado hires, you know, Casey Dunn, it's like... Uh, and I think we should be careful to say, oh, we don't know the guy. It means equals he's not going to be a good coach, right? I think you got to bring in the right energy. And I think it was very clear within about you know, a year period that Carl Durrell, that calm demeanor he had, you know, initially we thought, well, maybe that's good. Maybe that's what they need well, right now. Well, that's because it was on the on the back of Mike McIntyre who who would cry during the post-game press conferences during a win. Exactly. <laughs> so we're like, exactly. Exactly. not so emotional. So we, we felt like that was good, but you just really felt like that energy never resonated with these kids. And so I think if you can bring in the right guy, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and trash some guy. Oh, I don't know who he is means he's bad, right? I'm okay with that idea. I, I said a few weeks ago, right after the the first the the firing of Carl Durrell, that uh, I I actually think that might be the best thing for the Buffs to try to find that up and coming guy, a guy that can give them a spark that maybe in a couple years from now is coaching on the top of the college football world. Maybe that's with CU, maybe that's with a different program, but somebody that is on the rise rather than somebody that's on the decline, I'm okay and very intrigued by that idea. Now, you're throwing out a couple of names there of guys that I think have been very successful and instantly bring credibility. And, and when I say a couple of guys, we're talking the Bron Bronco Mendenhall and Tom Herman. I think, guys, it makes sense for these guys, guys that have had Power 5 stints that maybe didn't go so well. So they need, they almost need that rehab stint in a Power 5 spot to prove that they do belong and I would they love, can be elite. I would love Tom Herman. I think so. I think He's Tom, a great recruiter. Look not, at what he did at Texas. He had some of the top he, recruiting classes while he was there. <laughs> look what he did at uh, Houston before yeah. that. Like The guy's done nothing but win. I think he went, this is top of my head, something like 32-16 and 16 at Texas. It wasn't bad. No. It was just two wins, one loss. That wasn't good enough for Longhorns. Like, we'll take that all day. Come on over, Tom. Like We would take that all day long. I, that would be... Aside from Dion, Matt Rule, those guys, that would probably be my my top of the list hire. Sure, as as uh, as far as reasonably guys that you could reasonably expect to be interested in this position, he's got to be up at the top of that list. He's a well respected guy. He has connections. Not only that, he's got connections all over the country. He spent time, I believe, working with Ryan Day at Ohio State, or maybe it was it was under Urban Meyer. I think maybe, but. 
that's the type of guy that can then bring in guys that he knows that has worked with as coordinators, as position coaches, guys that have had a lot of success around the college football world. All right, should we get to the recaps? You got anything else to add for the coaches? Can we move on? Let's move on, buddy. All right. If you want to listen to any other Woos Media podcast, be sure to check out Woos Media either online, W-O-O-Z-E media.com, or just type in Woos, W-O-O-Z-E, wherever you're listening to this podcast, check out other Woos Media podcasts there as well. If you're a football fan, lots there for you to enjoy. All right, let's uh, start by recapping the Oregon game from last week. Obviously, it was a rough one. Colorado losing at home 49-10. to uh, Jared, I'm not going to lie, this is the one game I did not go to this year. I had a lot going on Saturday. I live pretty far away. And look, for me, I've had season tickets for a long time, but it, it's a whole day, right? So for me personally, about with traffic, about an hour and a half drive up there, right? And you want to get up to park and get in. So usually I leave about, about two and a half hours before the game. So let's just say hypothetically it's a noon kickoff. I'll leave at about 9.30, you know, drop my dog off, head up, get there at about 10.45, 11. You're parking, you're walking in the stadium. So you can be in your seat by 10.40 or by 11.45, you know, to watch Ralphie run. So, you know, then the game takes three hours and another hour and a half back home. So, you know, I'm not home till 435 on a 12 o'clock game day. I'm leaving at 930. That's the whole day. Sure. You know? So I have no problem with that. That's exactly why I buy CU season tickets. I love it. I love supporting the buffs. But when I got a lot of stuff happening and it's Oregon at home, you know, I, I, maybe it's a, a skip game for me. First yeah. Game, Unfortunately, it was, it was probably the first one this year that you you just kind of knew going in it was it was going to be ugly right Oof. unfortunately i mean i mean look i'm not actually i'm not gonna lie when cu scored to make it 21 7 i was like oh my god they're gonna I come back i should have gone they're right gonna, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like they're gonna come back and win of course i'm not there there we go you know and uh i mean look i had bad i had bad luck with missing games the last game that i that i was trying to go to in boulder and couldn't was the nebraska cu game where cu came back and won in overtime yeah. and it's because my car broke down I do remember this. I was so pissed off because I was so excited to go. Because when Nebraska goes to the to Boulder, there's so many ugly red and white fans. You have to show up and support the black and gold. So that bugged me to begin with. And then I have to sit and listen to this amazing game on the radio with a tow truck, you know, taking us back <laughs> into town. And uh, so that was, that was rough. Yeah, I have a bad history with missing games I can't go to. So anyway, I thought that was going to happen. Oregon wins 49-10. Just, I guess, looking at some stats this game. Uh, Oregon outgained the Buffs. Actually, the stats aren't that bad. No, they only the out- Buffs did everything you could have really hoped. It, it just, it was just a mismatch. I mean, they were playing it one was. of the best teams in the country. Well, and it came down to turnovers. I mean, total yards, Colorado was outgained by, what, 80 yards or so. Uh, Oregon had about 470. Colorado had about 370. Uh, so, I guess it's about 100, but still. Uh, passing, CU was right behind him. CU had about 250 passing yards. Oregon with 284. On the ground, Oregon just shy of 200. Colorado with 120. Obviously, Oregon a little bit better in those stats, but, I mean, that's not really what you'd expect from Colorado for only putting up 10 points. The issue was the turnovers. One fumble, two interceptions. And you know what? As much as I was on the JT bandwagon before the season started, as much as I like JT, good kid, good arm, you know, I'm just not so sure he's prepared or ready to take the reins of an offense like this against maybe against a, t- a team like Oregon, but you know, coming into this game, JT didn't have great stats. He ended uh 17 to 34, 247, one touchdown, two picks. So, 
You know, I just, I but, think I was a little high on JT to, to start the year. Yeah, it seems like the more we've got a chance to see him, he's got all the physical skills, that, that's for sure. He can absolutely sling the ball around the field. It, it just seems like there's a little bit of the, the decision-making, maybe some of the uh, pressure moments. Uh, he's struggling a little bit there. But, and the turnovers got us. Like, like, if you turn the ball over three times and your opponent turns it over none, I don't care about the spread. You're going to lose that game 80% of the time. So... CU did not help themselves out with the turnovers. But, uh, you know, one thing that really grinded my gears this game was watching Christian Gonzalez get two interceptions. And, you know, what's funny is, little little stat of the day here, uh, Christian Gonzalez in his career now, his college career has three picks. He had one as a buff, and he had two against the buffs. Yeah. And- you know, and I don't understand... Why they kept picking on him? You know what I think happened? My and this is pure speculation, one hundred percent speculation. So I don't want anyone saying I'm either throwing game plans away or, or making game plans public or throwing Mike Sanford under the bus. But you know what I think happened? I think Mike Sanford is such a motivational guy, right? He gets a lot of his ump from a coach, his ump as a, as a coach, and his his motivation as a coach from pumping guys up. They say we can't do it. Let's go get them. The whole world against us, us against the world. Pure speculation, but you know what I think you probably said about Christian Gonzalez? We're going to pick on that. I'm not going to swear on here, but we're going to pick on that guy. We're going to pick on him. He left CU. We're going to make him sorry he left CU, and it totally backfired. And if that wasn't the case, maybe I'm wrong there, but then why the hell did they keep throwing a day picking sure. on? Yeah. Why the hell they keep throwing well, all those back to back drives, wasn't it? Or close to it. Something for like the, that. Yeah. For the pick. So, yeah, after the first one, you, you thought they'd like, be Stop throwing it again. You know what? Christian. I, I'm not going to be in the business of trashing the guy that left CU. I honestly feel like this is probably one guy out of everyone on their roster that they lost, which was a lot. A lot of guys that transferred out of CU. This is one of the few guys you can. Th- take a clear look at his trajectory towards the NFL. This is a guy that has NFL talent and he has a better opportunity and showed that through the course of this game in this season to now make a name for himself as a potential NFL talent. I'm not blaming Gonzalez. He had a great game. I'm blaming the game plan for being so stubborn and going back after him time and time and time and time again. Eventually you got to say, maybe not working. We got to do what's best for the team. Uh, another thing, another note from the late from the uh, last game, uh, Jordan Tyson out for the year. The hits just keep coming, man. This guy was having a killer monster. Yep. True freshman season. Exactly. True freshman receiver for Colorado. Showing some real signs, speed, hands. And By the way, hands are something the receivers have been missing this year. I heard that was tough. Lower leg injury. I know in college football they Sounds treat like it like the NHL, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, are we? Are we? I mean that that scares me. That this is a guy that may not be ready. I mean, it's late in the season. It's November. Yeah. That's going to be mean, tough. Is that going to be tough for him to even come back for beginning of next year? I mean, we talking this. Well, is he going to be here next year? Is he going to transfer? You never know, right? And <sighs> so many so, question marks. Man, it just it just really really stings because it felt like I mean this was a star in the making. He had had a a, a huge back-to-back weeks. He had the kick return, or excuse me, punt return uh, two weeks ago. This past week, he had. I think he had over a hundred yards by the time he went out. Had the big touchdown catch. It's just a shame. It really is the true star, the one true star they had on this team right now. Well, he was stepping up, and making plays, and and, and certainly going to hurt the Buffs' offense in their last couple of games. Um, I did think, Jared, looking back at the game, watching the game. You know, I wasn't super upset walking away 49-10. Oregon's a good team, but CU showed some sparks. Like we said, they moved the football. 
Uh, they were 8 of 15 on third downs. I mean, you know, it wasn't the worst game plan, the worst game I've ever seen. And for the Buffs to fight, show that fight. The one thing we didn't see under Durrell was this team care. Yes, and that's a big part of it, yeah. right? And that's something I know that, that Sanford's touched on in almost every game at, at, in the post-game press conference. So you've seen these guys fight, nobody quitting. And I, I appreciate the aggressiveness that they started this game with. You know, it it backfired on them. You know, it, it was not to their to their benefit. You know, on their first uh, drive, they, they go for it on fourth. They they. No, <laughs> don't get it, you know. And so, but you, you appreciate seeing those a drive that was twelve plays, sixty yards. You know, you, you wanted to finish that drive. Hey, it didn't happen. It absolutely backfires because then they go get two touchdowns on you now. Before you know it, you're way behind the eight ball. You're probably never coming back from that. But you hit on that play. Now all of a sudden, the the momentum. You have the opportunity. You can you can do something with that. So I appreciate the way that Mike Sanford is coaching this team. It's not necessarily resulting in wins. We didn't really think that it would. Honestly, when he took over, we felt like if he could go get two or three wins to end the season, that's that's probably a win for him as a head coach and, and probably a good look for him and his future opportunities sure. as a coach. It was just, it's a tough, tough stretch that the Buffs end with. You talked about it in the lead. You know, you play number eight, Oregon. Now you go on the road at number nine, USC. Back-to-back top 10 games. I mean, hey, that's not something that the Buffs have dealt with much in the Pac-12. Well, it's a tough, tough week. And it is a tough spot for Sanford. So we don't expect him to... But the one thing is, that sort of... uh uh, interim coach charm that's gone. I, oh, a, I know the number of people that after after one week was like, sign him up, let's hire him. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's pump the brakes here. Let's see how he does after a few. And weeks. don't get me wrong, I love his energy. And CU did have their highest point total against ASU, but let let let's be careful. Let let's pump the brakes. All right, before we get out of here today, let's recap or let's uh, preview the CU at USC game and. There's not that much to break down. We're not going to go over offensive versus defensive lines, secondary versus receivers. I think we all know what's in store here. CU has to show up, play one of their best games of the season, hold USC, Heisman candidate uh, uh, Caleb Caleb Williams to a season low and completions and yards and pick him off. I mean, CU has to have a lot go right, and USC has to have a lot go wrong in order for this to go the Buffs' way. They are 34-point underdogs on the road. And uh, let's just start off talking about that, Jared, that uh, Lincoln Riley, obviously coming over from Oklahoma, bringing Caleb Williams with him, that immediately seemed to be the 1-2 duo coach-quarterback in the Pac-12. And there were a lot of uh, skeptical voices saying, give him a year, give him some time, he's got to get some players in there, they're not very loaded, and it's funny. This year has proven to me, if you have the right coach, it doesn't matter who's on the roster. Now, I know USC, probably a little more talented than, than average, but everyone before the season was saying, nah, they don't have anybody. Lincoln Riley's good. They don't have anyone. Look at LSU. Brian Kelly goes over from Notre Dame. LSU, and people were trashing him so quickly, exactly. right? After that Florida State <laughs> loss. But it's like, you get the right coach, you get the right system, things can happen. We're seeing that with USC. In terms of total stats, points per game, USC scoring 41 a game, Colorado scoring 15.6 points per game. Points allowed per game. Colorado, 40.2 points allowed per game. USC, 29.2 points per game. Total yards gained per game. Colorado, just over 300. USC, just under 500. And total yards allowed. Here's a little, little bright spot. CU allowing 483 a game. 
but USC allowing 409 per game. Not the classic elite defense you expect to see from a top 10 team. So Jared, if CU has one opportunity here, it's taking advantage of USC's defense. And I've been saying this all season long. USC got off to what I would say was considered to be a lucky start. Here's why. Turnovers are largely considered to be lucky in in football. Okay, Now, I understand. If you're a coach, a defensive coach, and you stress fumbles, rip that ball out, you stress, we're going to get interceptions, we're going to pick the ball off, you may increase your defense's turnovers from 10 to 15 in any given year, maybe 20 to 27, right? You're not going to make your team go from no turnovers forced to like 20 turnovers forced because you're stressing it. Turnovers, statistically speaking, are largely luck. A lot of times the quarterback throws it right to you. A lot of times there's a read option and they just drop the freaking ball. So turnovers are largely luck. USC, in their first month of the season, they were plus 11 in turnovers. If you go back the last five years of USC football, they haven't finished a season plus 11. So that was a wild anomaly of a stat. That was so crazy how they started the year. And that defense is wildly overrated. Now, am I saying Colorado's going Colorado's to move the football, score, score, score? No. But I am saying if there's a, a crack that Colorado can find their way in and maybe have some success, it's going to be moving the football. But Jared, I say that with a caveat. They have to do it being CU while eating clock okay if you're 34 point underdogs on the road i don't care if you find something on the defensive end you can exploit with your offense take it slow what is the 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 eagles song take it easy i'll let you sing i'm not gonna go there that's what the buffs have to do okay slow down don't get ahead of yourself and sanford's got to work on this because he he gets pumped up he gets amped up over there that's the name of the game run the football convert on third down eat that clock and try and take advantage of the defense. It's allowing over 400 a game. So besides that, I don't have much to preview on this. So, game, you know, it kind of just building off of that point. I, I, I think, unfortunately, the, in my mind, the way for the buffs to win or, or any team, let's just say generic team X in the buff situation that is on the lower end of college football right now in, in terms of where they're producing, that's how you're going to compete with a team like USC is you turn this into a shootout. This is not a good defense. This is a below average defense, hmm. and it's an offense that they can put up points, but if you get going back and forth, all of a sudden before you know it, it's a 42-34 game, and you're in it, and you have a chance. I just don't know that this Buffs team specifically – can keep up. I think eventually you're going to start to see that gap more and more and more where maybe you're trading touchdowns for field goals. Maybe it's one touchdown for every two touchdowns that USC is getting. So <laughs> I think unfortunately you probably fall short of that. But frankly, me as a fan, that's what I want to see. Let's get some excitement, man. This is a team you can put up points against. You can get yardage against. I'm not expecting CU to go in this game. Go out there and ball. Just go up there and put up some points. Give me more than 10 stinking <laughs> points, man. That's what I want to see out of this game. I, I I, don't, you know, reckless abandon. Go out there, have fun, be aggressive, and, and just, yes, when you can, when you have opportunities to control the clock, control the game, you do it. But don't hold yourself back at the cost of that, right? Don't do that at the cost of being aggressive and going and getting it. That's what I'll say. Should we do? I mean, look, we usually spend more time with the previews. It's funny. We've been doing this show now for a couple of years, and CU was right in a lot of games for a lot of those years. The majority of our breakdowns or our podcasts would be the the preview. Offensive versus defensive line, coaching matchups. There's just not a lot to go into here. You know, we talked about a lot of the stuff. USC, top 10 team in the country, Colorado, 
arguable bottom 10 teams. Oh, don't even say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, bottom, let's say bottom 40. Yeah. There's 131 teams. Bottom I would say third. we're probably 90th or worse, yeah. right? Like, like I don't want to be 10, but like it's in that range. So uh, let's get some score predictions before we get out of here. Let's get some scores. All right. I'm going to be a little optimistic here. Now, I think USC gets the win, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping because I don't think this defense is going to do a lot. I think Caleb Williams, USC, Lincoln Riley, we know what they're going to do. But there may be a cause for optimism with our offense. And if CU can move the football, get RJ and Montana and their tight ends involved and and I mean, Dion Smith looked pretty good last week coming back. Actually, he may be hurt too. He got banged up in the third quarter. So I'm not even sure if he's coming back this game. My point is, collectively on offense, I think they can maybe put something together because as I said, I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. USC does have an overrated defense. Let's be clear about that. Allowing 409 a game with the schedule they've had is not impressive. So I'm going to go 31-28. I think CU loses this one. But I mean... I know their highest point total of the year so far has been against ASU. I think it was 23. I think they can get in the end zone three, maybe four times this way if everything goes right. Now, I want to caveat that with if everything goes right. The buffs have to show up. They have to have a good game plan and execute, but I think they can hang in this one because of USC's uh, overrated defense. So that's my score prediction. Maybe I'm maybe I'm optimistic, but that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to share some of your optimism, particularly with the offense. I do think that the, the bus have an opportunity to put up, put up some points, set their highest total for the season. I, I think, though, as the, the second half wears on, USC pulls away. I, I'm going to take USC 42-27. Alright, 42-20. That's a, that's a... They don't cover the spread in that. We're still covering, I guess. That's right. Make your money in Vegas with that. And All right. the over. And we're hitting the over. Exactly. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us this week. It's uh, been a very up and down season for the Buffs. Let's hope they at least look good in L.A. And we'll be here next week to talk about, uh, is it Utah, Jared? Is no, that... it's uh, Washington next. I oh, and then Utah, right? Yeah, we got three wa- left. So we got at Washington and then Utah at home. So we'll be back next week to preview the Washington game. So until then, let's go Buffs beat USC. This has been the Buff Nation Podcast. Yeah.